0: calling you to mature? Where is he, where is he asking you to mature? And as I tried to reflect on that myself, I realized a few things about myself that I wanted to share with you as as I was thinking this week. um, I spend most of my days meditating on God's Word. I'm pretty much wiser than anyone who is against me. Um, I have more understanding now in my life than my teachers and more than most people that are older than me. This is just realizations, guys. I'm pretty much keeping, uh, I pretty much keep from falling to sin I don't stray from the word of God, and there's nothing sweeter in my life than the word of God. Honestly, guys, I, I mean, like, I pretty much hate every false way. Like, that's just the realization I had about myself. I couldn't say it with a straight face, I tried. Um, but that's exactly what the psalmist says of himself today. The self reflection that he has, and as he, as he writes out, those are the very words that he speaks of himself. And so, as I was sitting there saying that, some of you are going, oh my gosh, he is so arrogant. He is so, so arrogant. And as I wrestled through the scriptures and started thinking about, well, how does this apply to us? Where does this confidence set in? How do, we, how do we rest in this confidence? See, because as arrogant as that sounds, shouldn't we want to be able to say those things and have them be true? Shouldn't, shouldn't we want to be able to be confidently say, like, I truly meditate on God's word daily. It's, 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 there is nothing sweeter in my life. There is no thing that comes in front of that. Honestly, shouldn't, shouldn't that be something that we desire to say? As, as, I, as I started off somewhat sarcastic and, and, and comically, like the reality is the psalmist utters these sentences. He says, he says these very things about himself. And maybe, let me just be clear, maybe this isn't a prescriptive thing saying that we're all going to feel like this at every single point, but, but is this just something that we should see as some kind of pipe dream that will never, ever exist? This is, just a, this is a reality that we can't truly, truly understand. We can't truly, truly ever come to. And so we've been, we've been working through this, this psalm um, with taking on two stanzas, two strophes, two eight-verse eight sections together. You'll have to go back to the very beginning to understand that. Um, we might cover a little bit of it next week as well, but, but ultimately these two sections kind of play out. And in this, in this section, in the second strophe, the stanza, the 13, the one that we're in, where you see it in verse um, 10, 10, or 97 through 104 is where he utters all of these things. He says all of these things that I just said. He said them about himself. And so let's read real quickly in verse 73 out of Psalm 119, and then we'll jump over to there as well. Your hands have made and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice, because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous, and that it is in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live. For your law is my delight. Let the insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. For as for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me and that that they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may not be put to shame. And then over to verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Every false way, and as I as I read through that and studied through this, I I can't help but but see two things. One is is, is I, as I lay my life across the scriptures and what it says right here, I see I see a difference. I see I see a discrepancy in those two. But at the same point, I can't help but find myself desiring so badly to 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 want to be able to say these things, to want to be able to say these things in confidence and not some ill-placed confidence where I'm saying them and they're not true, although I think we're all really good at that at times. But that I could utter these things, say these things, and and they are true of me. And as as I think about that, as I looked at that, as I studied that, I felt like that's something that every single person that professes to follow Jesus should desire to say. But is it just some reality that we'll never, ever, ever taste? Is it something that will always be outside of our reach? And that's the question that I feel like The psalmist answers for us in these two stanzas, in these two sections of scripture. See, because one of the things that we've seen on repeat over and over and over and over again through this psalm is the author's love for God and his word. We've seen that his love for God's word is, is, is what's caused his motivation to obey. We've seen that his, his, he, he rests in the hope and the promises of God and, and he, he submits himself to him as Lord and so that, that when he saw his life going the wrong direction, he allowed God's word to point him and to turn his feet in the right direction. And so we see this over and over again, this, this psalmist recognizing something that is, like, I understand. Most of us want to say, I'll meditate day in and day night. Day in and day out, on God's word, but we never, ever open God's word. We we want to. It's a desire. It's like, I want to know God's word. I want to understand God's word, but we never go to God's word. Some of us at best just go to what other people say about God's word. There's nothing wrong with that, but in place of of you spending time in God's word and letting the Holy Spirit work through His words in your heart, nothing replaces that. And so as you as you look at this, I think as, if I had started this. I think if I had started this section, if I had started the sermon today and said, you know, I, I spend about one day a week meditating on God's word. I'm probably one of the dumbest people around there, but I'm sure I'm wiser than a three-year-old. Um, there's a little bit of understanding in my life, but I feel like I'll never, ever achieve what my teachers or mentors or those that are older than me will. I pretty much fall into sin regularly, but every now and then I keep myself from one. I don't stray from the word of God most days but the reality is it's probably a 50/50 thing and I'd love to say that there's nothing sweeter in my life than God's word but I keep finding my taste and my appetite for things of this world and as much as I would love to say I hate every false way and I, I feel like I do most of the time but the reality is I keep going to it so you know if I had started it this way I don't think you guys would think I was being arrogant or cocky in fact I feel like the room would be more comfortable. Why is that? Because we recognize our lives paralleled up to the scriptures and we go, they just don't reconcile. They don't they don't match. They don't look the same. And so we just assume, well, since that's the case, then this just must not be reality. We might as well just throw in the towel. So how does the psalmist write this? How does he how does he communicate this? How does he write out these statements? And and I think we learn it actually from the first stanza that we were in. In verse 73, we see. The very first thing, your hands have made and fashioned me. That may seem really, really obvious, but if you still believe you're an accident, that's in direct conflict for that statement. I wasn't meant to be here. I'm not, I don't like this about myself. The hands of God fashioned you. That's not like he just kind of hit the assembly line and said, all right, just start turning them out. We need more. No, he, he fashioned you. He, he made you. The Lord made you and fashioned you. And then he says, God, he pleads, God, give me your understanding. Give me your understanding. You know how many times he says this in the psalm? It's ridiculous. Over and over and over again. Help me understand. Help me understand. Give me your understanding. Give me your understanding. This psalmist, he understands something profoundly big that I think we miss as a whole. Our understanding comes from the Lord. Our understanding comes from His Word. It's not outside of it. And there are, there are many ways we can learn and add wisdom. I'm not saying just against it, but, but it comes from Him and through His Word. If you want to understand more about your life, if you want to understand what you're doing or how you're doing it, go to the one who made and fashioned you. And the psalmist believes that. He recognizes it. He declares it. You have made me. Now give me your understanding. Well, if you want to have a little bit more confidence that isn't just arrogance, if you want to have a little bit more confidence, I think the first step is recognizing that you are made and fashioned by God individually. And that every bit of understanding you have today isn't because you're an intelligent person. It's because the Lord has given you that understanding. And the instant we find understanding outside of that, it's wisdom from this world. It is not pure and undefiled, as James tells us. So your understanding comes from that. In verse 75, he he looks at it and he says this way. He says, he says, I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. He, he, he looks to God for ways he works in his life. Again, we, we talked about this, and so I won't go into it much. We talked about this a bunch in previous weeks, but, but he sees the faithfulness of God through his afflictions. The psalmist, he, he understands something so profound and so big that God isn't only not going to forsake us, but that he began to work in us and he promises to complete it. See, some of your and my lack of confidence is that we don't believe God works anymore in our lives. We see how he worked. We can go, I can look at my life and go, oh, Brent before Christ was a complete mess and now Brent after Christ is still a pretty good mess, but better, right? And we can see that working there, but a lot of times we forget that he is not done at that. He didn't just save you so that you can have some insurance policy to spend eternity with him. He saved you and said, no, i got to work for you. And i got to work for you right now, and I'm going to cut away the things that aren't connected to me, and I'm going to keep rubbing against those things that you keep trying to take as selfishness. Any way in which you put yourself on the throne of your life, I'm going to cut away so that you're back off and I'm in place. I'm working in you. I think many of us would have so much more confidence in every situation we're in if we saw that God was still at work. If we believe that God was still at work in us, he's not done. He he is not done with you. He he promised to start and finish. And we can hope in him because he always keeps his promise. So maybe the psalmist has confidence because he recognizes that God is still working in his life. He didn't just stop working. You can just cross that threshold into faith and been like, all right, good luck, figure it out from here. He's like, no, 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 child, I fashioned you. I made you. I know what you're, I know what you're made for. I know what you're capable of. I know what areas you're struggling in, and I can and will perfect those through the blood of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in your life. Believe it. You want to have confidence. Recognize that as bad as it is today for you, as hard as your marriage is, as difficult as the circumstances are, as much depression as there may be, as disgustingly dark as this world is, God is still at work in you and me. He's still working. You're not out of his reach. He didn't give up on you. The psalmist was confident of that. Another area that we see is something that I think this previous one brings. In 76, we see that God is the one who comforts. Right after, when you think about affliction, or let's just let's put it this way, when you're thinking about Him working on you, where do we go for comfort? The Psalmist says, even in the afflictions, I, your faithfulness is what my afflictions are. Like your faithfulness is working in me. I, I'm in love with this, and I also know that I will find all my comfort in You, not coping mechanisms like alcohol or sex or lust or a bonbon, whatever other thing we use in this world to try and bring comfort. You want comfort? Take comfort in knowing that you're not done. When you look in the mirror and you say, "I just don't like half of that person or three fourths of that person," just take take solace, take comfort in recognizing that God says, "I'm not done with you. I I have more for you, child. I have a best that I created you for." That should be comforting. Incredibly comforting. Why do we turn to the other things for comfort? Why do we check out and binge watch Netflix like crazy? Look, I love me a good show. Don't get me wrong. But we we turn to the silliest things and expect comfort from When the psalmist recognized the only spot I'm going to be be comforted is through God. In fact, one of the, the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to comfort. So why would we turn to anything else but him? And so the the psalmist recognizes that. He says, and then in verse 77, another thing that I think brings about confidence is he says, let your mercy come to me that I may live. He pleads for God's mercy. As as hard as your life is, as difficult as things are going on, as many sins as you continue to, to run back to like a dog to its vomit, we plead for his mercy. See, what brings about confidence in me is recognizing that his mercy is is renewed in my life daily. His mercy is real and there. There isn't anything. Hear me on this. Please hear me on this. There is nothing. If You're his. There is nothing that you can do that puts you outside of his reach, of his mercy. His grace is sufficient. that That literally means enough. It's always more than enough. Always more than enough he will extend mercy to him. The psalmist can have confidence because he can recognize when he looks in the mirror and goes, that's not God's way. He can rest in God's mercy. He can rest in the, in the comfort of knowing that God has, is a merciful God. He is not punishing us. He has punished Jesus Christ in place of us. And we are covered by his blood. Guys, this, this should be the best news ever for us. And I think the psalmist gets, I think he gets this. He understands, he's like, okay, I'm, I'm made by God, so that brings out some confidence, because now I can know, like, okay, he wanted my nose to be this big, or okay, he, he actually thought I should have a five head at age 20, okay, sounds good. Like, this is the way he made me. He fashioned me, and I can take confidence in that. I can take confidence in knowing that, that he, is, he is working in my life. He's not just hands-off going, whoa, man, Bren's a mess. Good luck, buddy. He's actively working in my life. I can take comfort in knowing that he is my comfort. He is He is there to comfort us. And then he gives us his mercy. And then the verse 78 is, I think, why the psalmist can actually say this. This is, seems overly obvious, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyways. He says, um, at the end, he says, I will meditate on your precepts. He makes a commitment to actually meditate on God's word. He he commits to that. Now, that may seem really obvious, but just in case you're wondering, you have to open God's word. It's not like the psalmist does, like maybe some of us have done. Okay, I'm gonna, from now on, I'm gonna make this statement. This is the way it's gonna be from now on, and then we don't follow through with it. The psalmist here is saying, I'm committing to live by your precepts and your laws. I'm committing to, to allow this scripture to 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 shine a real bright light on the dark spots of my life. And when it, when, it, when when God identifies those, I'm not just gonna sit in those and wallow in shame. Instead, I'm gonna turn my feet by the Spirit's strength and I'm gonna walk in the path He's, he's illuminated for us. He makes a commitment. How, how can the psalmist be so confident? Because he's committed to, to, to meditate on God's word. That's why when he comes in 97, he says, I meditated on all day. I challenged you guys a while ago. I said, I hope that he said hours of the night, and so I said, I challenge you guys to set your alarms in the middle of the night and and spend some time in prayer, and and then said, just share some stories if it happens. And a few people shared some stories with me, and one guy said, I have woken up at 5 a.m. every single day since that day. I'm like, praise God. I mean, not for 5 a.m., that's really early, okay? Like, I get that. But you know, he said to me, he said, God's word has been so much sweeter during that time. He's been reading it. It wasn't like he wasn't reading. It's just that God had disrupted his life, put him in place, and now he's just like becoming to this rhythm of, I'm just going to read God's word, and it's just so rich. Why? Because it's living and active. You know why the psalmist is so confident about this? Because when he says things like, God, give me your understanding. God, please keep working in my life. God, bring comfort. God, bring your mercy to me. When he says those things, he's saying those in a way where he truly believes that God is going to answer him that right there is in the face of all of our lack of confidence is that we don't believe God's answering those. We don't believe that when we say, God, I need you to give me understanding that he's actually going to give us understanding. Psalmist, when he pleads to the Lord, he doesn't plead as if he's some distant God that he's hoping someday will pick up the phone and answer. He pleads on his hands and knees before the Lord and says, God, give me your understanding and then he scours God's word and God says, here's my understanding. Maybe most of us aren't going to be able to say all those things I started the sermon with. Maybe most of us won't be able to, on a, on a daily basis, be able to say, man, this is it. But you know why this psalmist is so confident? Is because I believe that this is, this is my own conjecture. This is my thinking, okay? But this is just off of what, what this person wrote and, and it being an inspired word of God. I don't think that this, this person looked in the mirror and saw his confidence in anything about himself. The confidence wasn't placed in himself. The confidence was placed in God. Yours and my ability to admit and to submit and to communicate and to act and speak confidently has more to do with God and and way less to do with us. We can be confident before the Lord because it's Him in us. I think that's what the psalmist gets here. Not only does God answer prayers, He says that I'm not left on my own. I'm, I'm nothing. Left on my own, I'll complain, I'll whine. I'll be bitter, I'll be angry. Left on my own, I know the propensities that I'm capable of. But the psalmist recognizes man, but in God, I can stand confidently. In Him, I can stand confidently because I know who made me, because I know His hope, I know His promise, I see His commitment to me through Jesus Christ and the cross. This is an amazing thing. The psalmist doesn't actually have that, he just knows of the Messiah coming. You and I, we get to be on this side of history where we get to see the promises of God actually come to fruition through Jesus Christ, that should bring about confidence. I wish that I could have started the sermon this way, and not for my sake, saying those things where most of you weren't thinking like, oh my gosh, he's lost his mind. He is ridiculously arrogant. How can he say these things about himself? I wish that we could say those things, and not because you see it in me, but because we believe it in ourselves. I wish that we could truly, truly, truly speak the way the psalmist does. And here, here's the thing, guys. I don't think we're not supposed to. I don't think this is something we're just supposed to look at and go, wow, my life and the scripture life, man, I'm going to go ahead and bask in some, you know, some shame today, some guilt, just not measuring up. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Sounds good. Like, that's not the point of this. Oh, no, I, I think we're supposed to come to this and recognize that there is a way that you and I can stand confidently and say things like, I will turn from every false way. You want to know this? You want to know how I know this? Look at your life. I can look at my own life. There have been sins in your life that today the Lord has, through His Spirit, completely redeemed you of. They may not seem big. They may not seem as big as the addiction you're wrestling with right now. They may not seem as big as the the, the unfaithfulness to God and purity through your relationship, or th- they may not seem as big as, as the issues in your marriage, but you can see things in your life That God's word said, this is not what I call my believers to be. And you can see those things purged from your life. Why? Because you're awesome and you have great willpower? No. Because God is incredibly faithful at completing his promises. So your overwhelming anger, your continued crazy cycle of fighting with your spouse, it doesn't have to stay that way. You don't have to just succumb. This is just, this is the lot in my life. This is the way it is. Do you really think God fashioned and said, okay, I'm going to fashion these people together. And, okay, I really love you, but I'm just going to make your marriage horrible. In fact, I hope you guys hate each other every single day. In fact, I, in fact I'm going to add some unruly kids in there. You know what, let's just, let's just make your job miserable too. You know, I, I got an idea. Let's just, let's just let you look like the rest of this broken world. Do you think that's what he wants? Then why would we look at a list like this and assume this is never attainable for us? Why would we assume that? Oh man, I mean, it'd be cool to say I meditate all day and long, but I just, I just, I don't have the time. Cut out Netflix, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and every other social network that takes up hours of your time. You don't have time for God's word. Stop watching movies. Stop watching TV. You have time for God's word? Stop watching football. Stop playing fantasy football, dude. I just started that this year. It is really addicting. Just so you guys know, okay? <laughs> you don't have time. It, we will spend so much time on so many other things that are good, but they're not what God calls us to. You want to be able to utter a sentence like, I meditate on God's word and have it be true? Then start reading God's word. And don't just read it as if you're hoping to get through the Bible year reading plan. Some of you are like, oh man, I'm behind and January's coming. Like, that's good, read through, that, that's great, but, but let his word speak to you when you come across the verse, you're like, wow, it says to not complain or grumble at all. (sighs) Forget that, that's stupid, right? No, like, let it break into your heart and go, this is not who I am. I'm not operating in God's best for me. This is not how he fashioned me. He fashioned me in gratitude and thankfulness and kindness and gentleness. That's the fruit of the spirit. Why would I assume that that can't be alive and well and thriving inside of me? Why? Because we limit God. We believe he's not really truly capable of doing the things that he says he can do. This is why the psalmist is so confident because he knows what God says, he believes it, and he 100% aligns himself to truth in that. Do you think he messed up? I guarantee it. The Apostle Paul says, why do I do the things that I don't want to do? He admits, I keep battling the fleshly desires. But I can tell you, the Apostle Paul, and this is my own thought, I don't think he said, well, I guess I'm just gonna go ahead and give over. This is just one I'll never beat. You know, horn is just too hard and it's just too addicting so I'll just, I'll just carry it in the back closet for the rest of my life because you know it's just, it's just the way it is no that's limiting God you want to be able to say I hate every false way why because you love God and you love his word and so when his word confronts us on that we don't shy back from it in shame or guilt that's what the enemy wants we step up and say alright Lord help me own this let me repent of this purge me from this allow me to walk in faithfulness and truth my hope my, my challenge for you this week my my desire is that you would just take one of these things just one of these things and say God I want I want to be able to speak confidently about this today help me speak confidently about this and that may mean for some of you you have to open up your Bible and read it because you can't really say I can speak confidently about meditating on God's word if you're never in it some of you it may mean like I'm am, I am tired of of saying I hate the false ways, but really I just hate myself because I keep giving in to those false ways. I'm tired of that. I'm going to let God's light break in. I'm going to ask for accountability. I'm going to open this up. I'm going to call this darkness to light so it can no longer have its hold over me. You guys, some of the cycles we are in, we get in, it is is sad. It is sad how many times over and over and over again we can do the very same thing because we just won't relinquish the power of the darkness because we don't believe that God has enough to beat it just in case you're wondering, Christ defeated all sin, oh, and death. doesn't get much better than that. So why do we, why do we doubt that? Maybe some of you are like, man, the the psalmist, by the way, he wasn't being rude about his elders and older teachers. This was actually a really, really huge, huge, like, encouragement to his teachers. The psalmist, at this time when they're writing, they don't they, don't, they did not. They had a lot more respect for their elders than we do, even more than even our kids do. Like they had, they would not speak ill of their elders. This was a very, very proper way to speak. And what the psalmist is saying is, look, look, the understanding and the teaching that they've given me, I've surpassed it. That would be an encouragement to any teacher. You've been in God's word so much that you've surpassed what I was able to give you. Praise God that He is still at work in you. The band's going to come up and we're going to worship some more. And I want to, I want to just. Let me just push on you for a little bit here, guys. First off, you have to believe that this is actually true. That you can actually say confidently, God, I want to utter these statements. I want these statements to be said, and I want to stop looking in the mirror and seeing every way in which I am a failure, and I want to stand in confidence before you, God, and I want to utter these statements. that's the first thing, okay? You got to believe that you can do that. Secondly, I want to encourage some of you right now. I want to encourage some of you, you. You have been listening to this love the word over and over and over and over again as we've been on repeat for the last almost 13 weeks now and you keep coming to the same thing God keeps putting a little spotlight on that same area in your life says you need to give up this I want you to give up this because I'm telling you when you let go of this and you let me fill it I'm going to do amazing work or you need to you need to truly call it out time to repent you keep saying you wanna love me, but you keep holding too dearly the world. You cannot love me and the world. And some of you, you've been on repeat. You know the very thing that you're supposed to do, and you've been saying it as if that's actually accomplishing something and not doing anything about it. Yeah, yeah. God's been calling me, I, I know, I know, I, I know what I need to do, I know, I know, I know. That is, a, that is truly a posture, please hear me on this, a posture of pride, immense pride. Because you're saying you know, and then that that if God enlightened you to know that, that he doesn't want you to, to do something with it? Oh, I'm just too busy. I'm just too, it's just too crazy. Well, then make yourself less busy. There is nothing sweeter than this. Do you hear the psalmist? Man, man to, to think that this is the sweetest thing in our life, sweeter than every single thing in this world. Maybe this week, you just you just ask the Lord to, to reveal to you one way you can speak more confidently. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's time for you to actually believe the words you've been reading and heard for a very long time. It's time for you to submit your life to it. Maybe for some of you, it truly is time. It's time to just repent. Repentance is, a, is an acknowledgment of what is wrong and saying, God, I don't want to carry this anymore. I want you to turn me from this. I want to I turn to you, and I want to walk in your light, and I want to see the freedom that I know is had in you because i felt it before. Maybe some of you, you just got to stop believing the lies the enemy's telling you about how poor of a person you are. Let me get, I bet money that if we just had every single person say the sin that they've been carrying for the last year, out loud I'm pretty sure every single one of us would have something to say and what's carrying in that is this shame of like ah oh, I don't I don't like that I'm carrying this I don't like that I, this is it and what we do instead of instead of fixing our eyes on his word we fix our eyes on this and we go well I'm just this and so I can't really truly understand or hear God's word because I keep seeing this maybe maybe it's it's time for us to just lay that down at the cross where it belongs just let it go. Let let the blood that Jesus spilled actually cover, because it, it does. Hear, hear me on this. You, some of you here, you've been you've been walking the lie for so long that you just have a really hard time seeing truth. God can redeem that. He can bring you to a spot of confidence where you're like, I am a 100% open book. There is no deceitfulness in me. And for those of you that lie, I know I can guarantee that right there is like. You want that. I don't think that it's not that we don't want this. I think that it's not that we're willing to submit to him to allow this to happen to us. It's almost not not confidence in your own strength. You, can, you cannot be confident in yourself. You will not white-knuckle and muster yourself through this. It takes him doing it in us. Which takes us being submitted to him. Which takes us seeing the areas that he's pointing out over and over again in a gentle, loving way because God is so Good, we sang about it beforehand. Trusting Him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I pray. I pray for every person in this room, God. For those of us that have been following you for a long time, that maybe have just uh, settled for some lesser version of our life than what you set out. We've just accepted that this is the way it is. We'll always, we'll always carry this bitterness, we'll always be angry, we'll always complain. <laughs> we'll always lie. We'll always hide. We just accepted these things. God, I pray that you would break in and just just obliterate those lies in our lives, God. Allow us to stand in boldness and confidence, not because of what we do, but because we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. God, may it never be sarcastic or a joke again for any of us to utter these statements, but instead be a, a celebration of what you're doing in us. God, for the person that's here today that maybe just loves being close to church, maybe this is what they're using as an excuse to to, to be near you, but they've never truly submitted to you, God, would you just wreak havoc on their hearts? Break down whatever fears or bitterness or pain that's come into them and that they've just taken hold of and just strip their hands of that, purify their hearts and let them see you, God, for the first time. Let them see what it means to have you as the Lord of their life. And God, as we worship, as we sing, as we as we experience more of you, God, I pray that you would do what you do best and that show up and show us just how good you are, God. Forgive us for believing the lies. Forgive us for settling for less. Forgive us for, for being complacent or lazy in this, God. I truly, truly want there to be nothing sweeter to my mouth in your word, God, and I pray the same for every single one of us. And if something has snuck in to be sweeter, God, I pray that you strip it from us and help us rest in your grace and mercy as we we mourn the loss of whatever that may be, recognizing that you will take things that seem good from us for the greater good of you. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen.
1: So we're about to sing a song that we've sang a lot in the past, and the the weight of this song is um, sometimes a lot because it talks about what it feels like when we might have let God down, and um, it's probably ministered to us in a a lot of different ways. But I was trying to figure out what it really meant to me last night because I feel like I've let God down in. In many ways, and sometimes it, it feels unforgivable. Um, but I was reminded by this passage that we've all heard before, but it's a great truth, and it comes from Isaiah fifty-five eight. And it says, "For your thoughts are not my thoughts, neither are your ways my ways." And just sort of connected me to this unfathomable love and deep um, love that He has for us, and that we can take anything to Him. And um, his grace and hope is limitless. And so whatever we're we're going through, um, you know, our pain, um, our, our self-hate, our battles, we our brokenness, um, we can really take that to him and just kind of want to sing this song as a journey and bringing our brokenness to the foot of the cross.